Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Step Over Podcast here on the 610 Podcast Network. This is your host, Steve O'Malley, joined alongside by David Cook and Billy Bruno back again for another episode. And today's episode will focus solely on uh, the hiring of the new Sixers president, uh, Daryl Morey, the former uh, president of basketball operations for the Rockets, a longtime Sixer rumored target. Uh, the Sixers got their guy, and he's going to be paired up with Doc uh, in the front – or sorry, in the, the coaching structure. And uh, Elton Brand still remains as his GM. So we're just going to – you know, we're going to break down some of the some of the people that still remain, some of the people that they lost and got rid of and, you know, the finalization of Doc's coaching staff, but I just wanted to—I'll start with you, Billy. I just want your instant reaction on the on the Daryl Morey hiring. I thought it was great. I thought he did a great job with the Rockets. Honestly, I don't really know why they parted ways. Um, I think he maxed their potential out there, and they should have made the NBA Finals when Chris Paul got hurt. If he didn't get hurt, they were there. Um, so I think. For what we need, he was he's the right hire. Um, I think they made a lot of good decisions this whole offseason, um, which is c- kind of surprised considering the past incompetence of Harrison Blitzer to do anything positive. Um, but I think Maury understands that we need to win and we want to win Joel and Ben. He's not actively trying to ship one of them, which I like, um, especially for this season. Uh, it remains to be seen whether or not he can move Al. Um, I don't even know if he's going to try to, uh, but I think it's a good hire. I really do. I think he, he knows his stuff, and we're going to be competitive with him. There's no doubt about that. David? Yeah, I was very excited. Um, I just thought it kind of immediately makes Elton Brand kind of just like a little puppet. Like he can't really – hasn't had much, too much say anymore um I was a little I thought the money was a lot I mean it's not doesn't hurt the salary cap or anything so that's good uh like north of 10 million a year um but other than that I, like uh, like just like Doc I think we've been great hires this offseason and I hope it's just a sign for things to come because they've been on fire so far so yeah, you I don't mentioned care about the money I mean it's not yeah. against the salary yeah. cap so pay him whatever he wants right um, I mean, the Sixers probably have the highest paid front office coaching staff in the league if Doc's rumored to be making nine or ten himself, plus Maury another ten. Um, but, David, you mentioned Elton Brand being a puppet, and, you know, we sit here congratulating the hire of, of Daryl Morey, but, like, my thing is, you know, you keep Elton Brand. He, he essentially ha- does nothing now, and there's, you know, obviously the NBA front office structure is weird, but, you know, when you have a GM who used to make all the decisions, you hire someone who's going to make all the decisions, but you keep the old GM who used to make all the decisions. 
I don't really think that makes much sense. Like, you know, normally a, a president of basketball operations will bring in a new GM and they'll be focusing on something else. And I'm not really sure what Elton Brand really is good at in a sense that like, you know, why is he still on? Like it, his talent evaluation has been horrible. Um, and his, you know, the contracts, it's not like he's the Howie Roseman. He's a contract wizard. No, he's, he's really been a subpar uh, GM and hasn't really maximized the two cornerstone pieces. So, I'm wondering what the deal is with Elton Brand. Like, I don't understand why he's still here. Yeah, I would have fired him personally. I think, I mean, he's there kind of, in my mind, Harrison Blitzer was like, all right, we're going to bring you in, Maury. You have to keep Elton Brand. We like Elton Brand. You have to keep him in there. Keep him in his general manager role. If that's just a title, obviously you call the shots, but, you know, keep him here. They, they love him. For some reason, um, my love was quickly gone when it's shown that his decisions have not paid out. Um, but I guess the players probably like him. I mean, he's an ex-player. He understands where they're coming from, what they're going through. So maybe that's one of the reasons why he's there. But to me, it's clear Maury's calling the shots. But um, he's kind of a figurehead right now, Elton Brand. I'm not really concerned about him. I, I don't know why we extended him. I would have waited to see if it worked. Um, with the two of them working together before extending him. But, um, again, I think Harrison Blitzer really like him, so they want to keep him around for some reason. Yeah, I was, like, I'm kind of, like, on the same page you are. Like, it's – I'm not mad that we kept him. Their extension was a little bit weird. But, I mean, I'm sure he, he probably has, like, great, like, knowledge of, like, what the – like you said, like, what, what the players are going through. His insight is probably, like, one of the unmatched, like, on that uh, scale. Um, but other than that, like, I don't really know what he's going to do. Like, why, don't, why extend him if he doesn't really have a job that he has a lot of say in as general manager? I, mean, I do think it's important to have an ex-player somewhere in the organization that can relate to what the players are going through so that they can talk about it. I mean, he can be there to lend support or give advice. And I think a lot of times it should be either a well-known player or a somewhat recent player so that the circumstances aren't totally different. And, I, I mean, you see them bring Allen Iverson around, and Allen Iverson's not that type of guy to work in that way. He's the type of guy to, you know, kind of hype up his players and just he will be there for support of them. And he'll, he could give them to advice, but it's kind of like when Allen Iverson wants to do that, it's not – I'm here for you all the time. And, and Elton Brand obviously was a sixer for a little while, and he's more of a reliable figure in that sense. Um, so I think that could be a reason why they're keeping him, him around. And I don't really know any other player um, who had the status to kind of command some respect as, um, when he played um, and continuing that respect now into the front office. Um, that played for the Sixers. I can't really think of anyone like that besides an Elton Brand who wants to, you know, be in coaching or in the front office of a team. So in that regard, in those regards, I think it could be smart to keep him around. Um, but the extension was weird to me. I would have just waited and see if it can, if it could work and kind of turn, turn around what hasn't been working before extending him. The thing with, with Brand is like, 
you know, if he's the GM and he's going to be focused on player personnel, then he should just be the director of player personnel. Like he should just be completely involved with the players and have nothing to do with that part of the front office. Like normally, like on Doc's staff, um, the, the player personnel guy has been Willie Green, the former Sixer, um, but he's with Golden State now um, and has been with them for the last two years. But that was Doc's guy at the end of his Boston tenure and the basically the, the beginning of his Clippers tenure. But the player development thing normally comes along the coaching side and not really the front office side. So the thing is, when you have a, an all-powerful president of basketball operations – um, when it's not really a guy focused on like the business operations, but like the, but basically like the Pat Riley like, calling the shots, um, you know, the GM normally is just suppressed to something else. And I, you know, I struggle to see where brand fits. Like, I don't understand why you have a guy, if he's going to be in player development, then he should be in player development. Like he should be in player relations. He shouldn't be the GM of the team. I feel like, you know, you could have somebody who focuses on contracts as the GM of, of the team. I just think it's a tough thing to, to keep passing along. You know, let's say he's got three years on his, on his contract now for three years. I just think it's weird that that's what we're using our GM spot for when there's player development spots readily available. Yeah. I wouldn't disagree with that. I, mean, I think you said it pretty well. I yeah, so like, yeah, I, I mean, mean wanna... go ahead, Dave. Kind of, uh, I don't know, we didn't really mention anything about him yet, but uh, do you think that maybe they're saving one of those spots for like, a guy like St. Joe's own Jameer Nelson? I mean, I wouldn't you know, be surprised. He's like, see how start, he him, start him out low defense. and then, yeah. And I'd be all for that. That, that yeah, would be I'd the same route Brand took. Brand was like nothing after a year of retirement. And then he was the assistant GM of the the Delaware uh, the De- Bluecoats, and then um, in the next year he was he was the Sixers GM. Like within within a calendar year, I mean, if Jameer Nelson's the director of player development, that would be the answer to Billy's person, essentially the guy who can technically be all reliable when it comes to being able to relate to the past three or four years playing in the city um, dealing with essentially, I mean, at one point, Jimmy Nelson was one of the better point guards. So dealing with some sort of level of stardom, like being able to relate to all levels of, of being involved with a Philadelphia basketball team. But, you know, that's where I, I, the one we brought it up already, but like the Sixers hierarchy, though it is, better looking now still for me is so weird. I, I mean, it's better than it was before Maury and, and Doc Rivers, but I just still think we potentially could fall into another power struggle. Like somebody has more power than someone else when it wasn't really supposed to be the case. Like I, I'm sure Doc and Maury will be able to figure it out, but I just i am really struggling to find where, where Elton Brand ends up along these lines. Again, I think he's just a figurehead. I don't yeah. think he's really going to be he'll, be... he'll be in the room making decisions, but at the end of the day, Maury's going to be the one making front office, office decisions, and Doc will have the full control over coaching. Yeah. But, I mean, Brand can lend his input, which, I mean, again, and that's fine. Sometimes you can have too many cooks in the kitchen, but I don't think that's the case right now. Um, 
but he's not going to be the one making final decisions anymore, which in my mind is a good thing. Yeah, it's a huge step from where we were. So speaking of decisions, we mentioned that Daryl Morey used to be involved with the Houston Rockets, and we can't help but ignore how James Harden's name has been thrown around uh, as a potential trade target for the Sixers. Does I mean, I'm not even going to speculate what would be involved, but you know, you'd have to assume maybe one of Embiid or Simmons or somehow neither. Like, does James Harden – like, do we want to be the Rockets, essentially? Like, is that something we'd I mean, be willing to do? Here's the thing. Every team in the NBA is interested in James Harden. Right. I'm sure, like – but it's a matter of giving – like, what – giving up – what, like, what we're going to give up to get him. And I don't think the Sixers are willing to give up anything – uh, like Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons to go get him. I mean, if we could trade Tobias or Al, which would never probably never happen, just based on what kind of players those are, to get a guy like James Harden, then like and we, I think it's all speculation. Yeah, and the Rockets have said there's no way that they're trading James Harden. Which, yeah. if I were them, I would heavily consider trading Harden for Simmons because I think Simmons on the Rockets could really bring out his full potential. You know, it's run and gun. He's surrounded with shooters. He's probably the biggest guy on the court for your team. That is Ben Simmons's game. But if I'm the Sixers, I don't know if I want to do that considering James Harden, he's still in his prime of his career, but he's got a couple more years left of his prime. He's probably hit his peak. He's not going to get better than has, he's been the last two, three years. And he's been close to making the finals, and it's in the Western Conference, so it's a little bit more difficult than the East. But I don't trust him to beat anybody who comes out of the West to win a championship. I really don't. I think he's had that chance, and I don't know how he would fit with Embiid because you would think that they would trade Simmons. And I, I want to keep both Simmons and Embiid, but right now if you – told me if I had to trade one, I would trade Embiid over Simmons. Mm-hmm. I can believe I Yeah, I mean, what I was, you know, the tail end of my question was like, you know, if we get hardened, essentially, like, would you be okay with being the Rockets? We would be the second or third best team, probably make the second or third round of the playoffs each year, and then maybe one of these times kind of get over the hump. But, I, I mean, I Maury has stated that, you know, neither of them are on the move. I just think we'll see how good he is at basically retooling with nothing. I mean, we don't have cast space. We don't have a lot of draft capital. We have to retool with what we've got. And I'm curious to see if it's possible to move Al or Tobias um, and just to see the return. I mean, obviously, you know, you can read certain articles here and there, but like there are teams interested in Tobias Harris and there are teams interested in Al Horford. I mean, whether that's true or not, it's something you have to kind of take into consideration. Like, it, again, like if he can move Al Horford and somehow get Buddy healed, or if he can move Tobias Harris and somehow get, you know, Tim Hardaway and, and Seth Curry from Dallas, like then you have completely retooled the way this team works and then be able to build around and beat Simmons correctly. And hopefully Doc uses them correctly and has an actual game plan this time around. It's just, it's a waiting game, but, you know, the answers are coming sooner rather than later this time around since we're we're uh less than a month away from the draft and we're less than two months away from the start of the season so it's going to start to get interesting as we get closer to that 
December 22nd mark, like what this team's going to look like. I do think there's a good chance it looks exactly the same. They're just going to roll with Doc's mind this time around. I just – obviously, we don't know, but I do think there's a good chance nothing happens. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would say the most realistic trade I see happening is us giving Al and maybe the first-round pick for Buddy Heald because Buddy Heald was out. And the Kings don't really want to use him the right way. Um, and for some reason, I've been hearing that they want Al Horford. Uh, they, That's, yeah. Which, to me, yeah, that blows my mind. It's odd with the contract. But Buddy Heald also has a decently large contract, and they don't like him. So I guess that could be a reason why. I, I'm intrigued about that uh, Tobias Harris trade that you mentioned for Seth and Tim Hardaway Jr. I don't think that happened. I don't think it does either, but, but it was speculated by to it and a Dallas beat reporter. If, if um, Tobias didn't have his contract, I think that would be a decent fit with the Mads, honestly, because you got Luca with the point, Kristaps is one of your big guys, and then you kind of need someone on the wing, but they probably don't want to take on Tobias's contract. I, I sincerely trade. doubt anyone really wants right. the contract, but if somebody's willing, you know, I was reading that the Knicks would take you know, young players and picks for Tobias Harris's contract. Like they, but that means Matisse and picks, which is like, ah, and you send them to a team you play, you know, eight times a year. It's, that's a tough thing to do. Yeah. I think Tobias is safe on the roster. Yeah. If I had to guess, we would kind of roll with the same roster that we had last year, but the most plausible trade is Al and a pick for Buddy, Buddy Hilton with the Kings. Yeah. I'm not, quite ready to give up on uh, Tobias like I am ready to give up on Al. I think Tobias like it might might have just been the way that Brett Brown wanted to run the team last year like that's why he struggled had too like too big of a plate um, but I'm also not ready to give up on Al Horford's career yet like I could see why a team like the Kings would want him not not from contract perspective but just from having a starting center because right now their best center is Rashawn Holmes. And he's Rashawn Holmes, I, lo- I love him. But he's not going to be – he's not a starting – he's not an NBA starting center. And, yeah, Al Horford isn't a starting NBA power forward, which is how we were using right. him. Which, so, like, I, I do agree. Like, yeah, no one wants to pay this guy $34 million. Nobody does. Not right. even the Sixers or even the Celtics at this point. The Celtics were one center away from probably making it to the NBA Finals. Um, like, but Al Horford, the player, the 11, seven, seven and two player is definitely a starting center for some of the bad teams in the league. I just don't know, like buddy healed is openly wants to play for the Sixers. It's, it's crazy to me that there's someone out there who genuinely is just so enamored with the idea of playing for the Sixers. And if I would do anything in our power without giving up Matisse Thibel, um to get Buddy Heald here, like even if it does mean sacrifice, like if they flip and they're like, oh, we want Tobias instead, I would do it because Buddy Heald fits better in my opinion. But again, I, I'm curious to see what Doc does with Ben and Embiid because that's really, that's really why Doc's here. I mean, let's not get it twisted. He's here to coach those two and everyone else kind of falls in line, but you know, I, 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 I do think my original statement of like the less moves we do is more likely. And maybe they keep the pick and just draft a kid 
But I'd like to see if we can keep our pick. I'd like to see the pick we have play and play a huge role for the first time in my life besides Matisse. Right. And I think you've seen over the course of the past few years, when we have picked in the first round, it's either like somewhere in the 20s. We can't find anyone who can really contribute. Like other teams occasionally find people that can contribute either right away or they develop into a somewhat decent NBA player. And every time we draft someone, whether it's like Furkan or Timothy Luawu Cabarro or Zaire Smith, like we are being – the team tries to convince us that they're going to be good and they're going to develop into some really good 3 and D player and then it just doesn't seem to ever happen. Like we got to hit at least once to get – somewhat of a capable player to contribute. And it seems like we did that with Matisse. But we need to do it again because our young talent is basically just Matisse. Yeah, like, um, the problem is we trade away all of our second-round picks so our executives can go on vacation. Like, you look at a team like the Raptors who are kind of, like, built around guys who – like they pick in the second round or late first and they can contribute. Even the Celtics, uh, some of their like key bench players are late first round picks. Uh, thinking of Robert Williams, a guy who came into the league as a project and now he's a solid contributor off the bench, the time Lord. But like, I think we just need to like mimic one of those teams and keep our second round picks and not, I don't think we have as many, we might have like one this year or something. Or, uh, but, just don't trade them away and get a guy to see how he does. And if he's bad, oh, well, it's a second-round pick, you move on. But we need to hit with those first-round picks. I would agree with you. Um, and there's definitely been times where they drafted someone and then, like, I got all excited. And then five minutes later, he's like, oh, that pick's been traded. Because right. you can find people that can come off the bench for five minutes a half and give you good minutes, like energy-type guys. I'm trying to think of, like – someone who doesn't have the best basketball skills but is athletic like someone who can go and get in someone else's grill play deep hard defense for five minutes and go back to the bench and do the same thing in the second half because I really think that's one of the things that we're yeah missing. I was gonna say that that's most guys on the Raptors who aren't yeah, yeah. We're definitely missing that because you yeah. saw Chris in, the, in the regular season it's fine because you know the intensity is so much lower in the NBA than it is in the playoffs which in my mind is a big problem but in the playoffs, it's a whole different game. And you see people like Furkan, who did contribute in the regular season, he couldn't play in the playoffs because the intensity is just ramped so much higher than it was in the regular season. And Furkan was getting toasted every drive. You couldn't have him on the court. And we have other people like that. The Sixers are a soft team. And I do think one of the reasons – there's many reasons for that. Like, the NBA is soft, but also we coddle our star players. Like, there's numerous reasons. I don't think they're much softer than a lot of other NBA teams. Um, but in general, they are a soft team. And we can't, like, buckle down to get the stop that we want to. And I think, I think Tobias is extremely soft. I think you can just shove him off the ball when the gun gets tough. He'll fold. He doesn't come up and make clutch plays. Um, but we need someone to kind of – like not as good as Marcus Smart, but some with the attitude of Marcus Smart. And you can find those guys in the second round that just come in and be a dog. They have something to prove. 
Yeah, and there have been times, like David said, where those people were there in the second round. We traded those picks away. And I agree. We have at least one second-round pick this year. Make it count. So the next question, this is – this is uh, I mean, it, it, you can pick a word or a phrase, but it's more of a question of either their relationship or the result uh, of, of their partnership together. Doc plus Maury equals what? Success. More success than we have had, which hasn't been a lot. I do think either this year or – in fact, this year. I'll say this year. I'm expecting Eastern Conference Finals at least. If you don't make the Eastern Conference Finals, to me, that's a failed season. We have the talent to do so. So if we're healthy going into the playoffs and all that, because I did think we would be able to make a run if we were healthy this season – and then, obviously, without Ben, there was just no shot of that. But I think the talent is there. If you find a way to work together, um, Doc's going to have to be able to do that. And the Sixers just figure that out, and they figure out their road issues. Like, they have to be able to get ready to play on the road. There's something mental, um, something that has to change in their preparation from being home, being on the road. Maybe no fans will help them. If there's limited or no fans in the arenas, but they have to also be able to play without the home fans backing them. And I think Doc can hopefully put that mentality into them. And just that change, you'll see a success. Because if we were just 500 on the road, you see us go from the six seed to what? The two or the three? Yeah. So, and then that leads into the mindset in the playoffs. Um, so I, I think you will see more success because of the changes that we've made in the coaches and the front office, um, I think it'll trickle down to the court. David, the first word I thought of yeah. was uh, – the first one I thought was standard or standards. I think that there's – with Brett Brown, there was no, like, expectation or standards since he came in, like, just, like lo- the losing coach. And then he eventually get a team that's good enough that you can win with. But there's no standard that he like was. There's no standard that was set for him in the organization. Everyone's like, okay, like this. He's had his losses. Now you have to give him a chance. But with Doc and Maury, you have two guys that are proven winners. So there's a standard to win now. And I think that just changes the whole mentality of the office and the team. I like that. Because, I mean, these are guys who are – I mean, they're making a lot of money for a reason. Like, they, they have a track record that – I mean, Doc won a ring. Maury got a team to compete with the Warriors, one of the best teams of our generation. So, I, I like that. And I think we're going to we're gonna end on that. So, um, the next episode of The Step Over will focus around the draft. Obviously, things can change uh, between now and then. The Sixers can have their pick. They might not have their pick. Um, we're not really sure. But – um, I think this is a good way to to introduce Daryl Morey and, and Doc Rivers to the to the show, basically. Um, so we will we will do a draft preview for the Sixers and then potentially for the rest of the league as well, since this is I mean it's an interesting draft, but it's not a uh, super talented draft. So for Billy Bruno and David Cook, this has been Steve O'Malley, the host of the Step Over Podcast for the Six One Zero Podcast Network. We will see you guys next time.